0: Mark Elstrand here. The program is called Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us today on AM 1160, where we offer you hope for your life. And I think most people every day are in need of that in some fashion or another. I am. And uh, so I hope we can encourage you this afternoon. I, I think that'll happen as we spend the next 25 minutes with a, a very special friend, Joel Rosenberg, New York Times best-selling author. You must have heard of his books, Last Jihad, The Last Days, The Ezekiel Option, The Copper Scroll the 12th uh, Imam, the Tehran Initiative, the Damascus Countdown, oh my goodness, and then Epicenter. And uh, Joel has an uncanny knack of uh, kind of writing about things before they happen, and uh, maybe he'll explain that someday to us of how he does that. But Joel, uh, first of all, good afternoon, and uh, thank you for joining us today.
1: Great to be with you, Mark, especially on your new show.
0: Well, thank you. The uh, producer of documentary films, I forgot to add that, so you've been a real busy guy, haven't you? Uh, I'm keeping busy. The Lord's been gracious. And then how about the Joshua Fund? How's that doing?
1: Joshua Fund wonderful, and especially now, as you know, Joshua Fund is a ministry, as you know, to provide food and medical supplies and humanitarian relief to Israelis and Palestinians who are needy, who are vulnerable. And, and, and that has never been more um, urgent uh, than right now.
0: One of the things I've most appreciated about uh, in some of your writing on blogs and such is the way you uh, will mention Palestinians who have come to know Jesus, and, and you give a fair treatment on, on these discussion topics. Is that difficult? Do you get negative feedback on that?
1: I've gotten some, yeah. But I think, you know, my by God, well, first of all, I think it's biblical, that God is not an either-or God. He doesn't love either of the Israelis. For the Palestinians. Uh, the Bible is clear he's a both and God. He loves both. Jesus came and died for both. Now, there are, you know, obviously God has given certain land to Israel and has a certain blessing on the nation of Israel, um, and, and the scriptures are clear about that, but he's also you know, the Lord is clear that Jesus came for, for all, and I think that it's important that even people who love Israel deeply, as I do, um, make sure that we especially reach out and show love and compassion to Palestinians whom God loves, uh, some of whom know the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you know, who are part of the Church, but many who are just lost, as many Jews are lost, and so uh, having love for both, I think, is, is really important, and unfortunately, you just hear a lot of voices out there who are sort of, you know, seem to love one side and completely dismiss or disdain
0: the other. Well, again, I appreciate uh, the way you gracefully uh, navigate very difficult political situations like what we're currently seeing between Israel and the Palestinians. Let's first of all say, uh, Palestinians, does that word ring with truth to you, or is is that too politically hot? Can can we call them Palestinians?
1: Yeah, we can call them Palestinians. And look, uh, that region was called Palestine, going back to the Roman times. Uh, It's a term taken from the Philistines, uh, although the people there aren't likely descendants of the Philistines. You know, that was a, a people group that, you know, was destroyed and, and, and conquered uh, by the Israelites years ago. But, yeah, I know there are a lot of people who, who you know, don't even want to accept that term. But, uh, look, I think people should be able to be pretty much called what they want to be called. Uh, there are so many controversies related to this topic. Um, the last thing I want to do is create a new one by telling someone who, wants to describe themselves as a Palestinian, no, no, you know, that term is illegitimate. I just mm. don't think that's useful.
0: Let's talk about the current conflict. Okay, so you have three Israeli teenagers who are murdered, and and then you have a Palestinian boy who is murdered. Right. Is, was really that the reason for all this activity, or was it just waiting to happen?
1: Well... <laughs> You know, one of the challenges of, of looking at any of these conflicts is you start to, you know, you want to go back a few days, a few weeks to see how did it start. And then you like, well, it didn't really start there. It went back a few years. And then right. pretty soon you're back to the book of Genesis. Yeah, right. So that's hard. But in the current conflict, yes. Um, and, and a Palestinian terror group or an Islamic radical group, probably Hamas, although I don't know if it's 100% proven tried to kidnap these three Israeli teenage boys, and they fought back, and they were murdered by these these terrorists. Now, nobody knew that, though at first they thought that these boys had been kidnapped and were being held, so this massive Israeli manhunt went on in the West Bank uh, for weeks until their bodies, their murdered bodies, were found. At that point, some Jewish extremists then Captured a 16-year-old Palestinian Arab boy and burned him alive. Just horrible. I mean, horrible on both sides. Well, at that point, um, Hamas, which controls the Gaza Strip, uh, you know, took it took it over. You know, remember Israel withdrew from the Gaza Strip in 2005. Mm-hmm. Listen, we look. You're not going to make a peace treaty with us, but we're just going to give you all this land back and let's just be friendly neighbors. But Hamas took over. And started firing rockets, and so just you know, in the middle of June, when all this was happening, started Hamas started firing a new round of rockets, and by July 1st, they seemed to decide to just take the gloves off, and they were firing hundreds of rockets per day at not Israeli military installations, but just at Israeli innocent civilians living in towns and villages near the Gaza border. Well, Israel, of course, had to strike back. Um, and try to knock out these rocket launchers and so forth. And that's where we are. We're in day or just ended day seven in Israel. It's about 12:30 uh, in the morning, um, Israel local time. And there is talk of a ceasefire, possibly tomorrow Egypt's trying to broker this, but it's been a brutal battle this last week. Uh, the Palestinian terrorists firing more than a thousand rockets. As Israeli towns and, and, and cities, uh, and trying to hit Tel Aviv. They've even got rockets now that can go farther than Tel Aviv. And, Mark, in the last 48 hours, we've started to see rockets being fired in small numbers, but still they're coming in into Israel from Lebanon and from Syria. There's real prayer tonight. We all need to be praying, first, that this thing calms down quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are suffering on both sides, and that new fronts are not opened in the north, when, you know, Israel's trying to get things tamped down and quieted down on their south. And, of course, I feel so horrible for both sides, but you've got to feel horrible for these Palestinians who live in Gaza who are not terrorists and who aren't part of Hamas, who are basically held captive. And are living in the crossfire of all this, and and then there's nowhere for them to go. Mm.
0: Well, Joel, in just a moment, uh, we're going to continue our conversation uh, here about the situation that as it goes right now. But one of the one of the comments that I've heard made is is that uh, Palestinians purposely locate missile launching sites near places where, like hospitals, for example, where once um, uh, Israel responds, you know, there's going to be civilian deaths. Is that accurate or not? We're going to get to that question with our special guest, Joel Rosenberg, coming up right here in just moments. Mark Helfstrand here. Good afternoon. The program is called Let's Talk. My guest, Joel Rosenberg, New York Times bestselling author of uh, eight novels. He's done some documentaries, got some nonfiction work out there, and he has a wonderful ministry that uh, he started along with his wife, Lynn, uh, called the the Joshua Fund. And uh, we'll tell you where to connect in that here coming up in just a couple of moments. Joel, let me come back to that statement that I've read that Palestinian missile sites are often strategically located where they know people are going to get killed. And that, indeed, we're seeing reports of a number of civilians being killed in these Palestinian territories. What's your perception of that? Is that true?
1: That is true, unfortunately. Uh, And uh, that is what's making, uh, that's putting Palestinian civilians in terrible danger uh, because these these rockets are being fired out of schools, uh, apartment buildings, hospitals, medical clinics, fire stations, you know, and, and so... Israel's trying to hit what they can, but uh, they've also had to uh, hesitate because there's there are times they just feel like they can't fire at something that, uh, you know, obviously is filled with civilians. Now Israel's taking a lot of measures to try to prevent or, or mi- minimize civilian casualties. They they literally have developed a system where they text uh, and phone in Arabic. People that are in a certain building, they're about to attack mm. and give them five minutes to get out. Mm. Uh, they even drop, uh, they call it knocking on the roof. They'll fire a, a a missile or a bomb at the top, at the roof of a building that doesn't have explosives in that bomb or rocket so that you hear this shaking and this big, you know, clump or whatever, but it doesn't blow up. But that's one final reminder A real rocket with, uh, you know, explosives is coming, and that has, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that has kept Palestinian casualties to a minimum. That being said, there are over 170 Palestinians, uh, uh, according to the Palestinian press reports, that have been killed and and hundreds more wounded. So this are, you know, some of those are terrorists. But some of those are people being caught in the crossfire.
0: Oh, we've also been uh, reading about this rather uh, interesting defense system, the Iron Dome, and right. apparently they've shot down a couple hundred rockets with this. How does that work?
1: It's extraordinary. I was actually in Israel for the last rocket war, November 2012. I saw these uh, anti-rocket you know, interceptors, uh, intercepted rockets coming from Gaza right over my head in Ashkelon. It was hmm. extraordinary. The short version is they've got uh, Israel has um, drones and other sensors hovering over Gaza. So when they detect the launch of a rocket, uh, they uh, their computers pick, you know track that on radar, and they immediately can um, use high-speed computers to project where that rocket's going to land. First, what they do is then send out an alert to that town, and all the sirens go off. So that people will run to their bomb shelters they've got about 15 to 30 seconds to get to those shelters then um they are able to determine israelis are able to determine if the rocket's going to land not just in a certain town and not just a certain neighborhood but they can figure out pretty close to where it's going to land Well, they do a quick cross check against um, detailed maps of those towns and find out if it's going to land on a populated you know, a, a building of some sort or just in a field. If it's a field, they let it go. If it's a building, or if they're not sure, they fire the rocket, uh, the Iron Dome system. Wow. The Iron Dome system then sends three rockets at high supersonic speeds at the incoming Palestinian rocket. The first one that gets there and blows it up. Uh, the incoming rocket. Um, that's a success, and then the other two de- uh, self detonate, so they don't land on civilians, some other place. And this, so that's why uh, what we're seeing is about an 85 to 90 percent success rate when the Iron Dome is fired in terms of knocking out Palestinian rockets. But they're not. But the, you know, these rockets cost fifty thousand dollars a pop to intercept. So. Israel doesn't use them every time. They only use them if, they, if the computers determine you know, people are, Israeli people are in grave danger. So, mm-hmm. But that is an incredible system. They developed it in 30 months, uh, several years ago. And, Mark, you'll remember the debates back in the 1980s and 90s when President Reagan proposed a missile defense system, yeah. mm-hmm. and, 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 and people who didn't like him this was lunacy, you know, they called it Star, Star Wars. Wars, you know, yeah. this is the stuff of Hollywood fantasy, you can't really shoot down a rocket with a rocket, mm-hmm. a missile with a missile, but apparently you can, mm-hmm. and Israel's doing it, and thank God, because Israel hasn't had a single casualty, I mean, well, a single death of an Israeli, Jew, or Arab in the last seven days, despite over a thousand rockets and missiles being fired at them,
0: from Gaza. Truly remarkable. I've uh, heard somebody else uh, say recently that if you want to do a make a pretty good investment these days, invest in information technology in Israel, because they're getting very sophisticated. We're going to talk more with uh, Joel Rosenberg here coming up in just a moment. And uh, when we do, there's a, well, a couple of important issues. The president uh, has offered, of course, to try to negotiate some kind of uh, peace arrangement here between Israel and the Palestinians. And also, uh, is it safe to travel over there? We're going to get to Joel's response to those questions coming up in just a moment. Mark Elstrand here. Good afternoon. The program is called Let's Talk. My special guest this first hour today is Joel Rosenberg, New York Times best-selling author, uh, really a wonderful human being. You can say that about some folks, and maybe you're not sure, but uh, Joel really is a class guy, as evidenced uh, particularly by his work in starting the uh, Joshua Fund. Uh, Google that if you'd like more information. Okay, so uh, Joel, the president has offered uh, to perhaps step in and broker some kind of settlement between uh, Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, Where would you take that?
1: Well, I certainly want to see a ceasefire and uh, things uh, sort of tamped down, quieted down. Absolutely. Um, uh, right now, it's not the Obama administration that's taking the lead on this. It's the Egyptian president, um, uh, al-Sisi, who uh, you know, was the general who, who overthrew and crushed the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt over the last couple of years. Um, you have to understand that Hamas is a, an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. So uh, the Egyptians have a deep animus, but they also have a, uh, towards Hamas, but they also have a, uh, at least the Egyptian military, but they also have a deep, deep ties to Hamas and to the Gaza Strip, because Egypt used to control the Gaza Strip until the 1967 war. So at the moment, Egypt's the lead on trying to negotiate a ceasefire. Uh, They proposed um, a a 9 a.m. tomorrow, uh, Israel time, ceasefire. Neither side has accepted, to my knowledge, yet. Uh, We'll have to see, but let's be praying. Uh, Israel's big calculation is, are they ready for a ceasefire, or do they feel like they are going to go further and actually send ground forces into Gaza in order to get these rockets and missiles and blow up the underground tunnels? There's a lot more they feel they need to do, but obviously no one wants this thing to go on, you know, much longer. So, my prayer is that a ground operation won't be needed.
0: Ah, well, Benjamin Netanyahu didn't seem like he was willing to uh, jump up and down with the uh, peace offering quite yet, because he wants Israel to determine when this is going to end, not somebody else, if I have it right.
1: Well, that's true, but, uh, you know, he's also... Look, he, he was Benjamin Netanyahu, the current prime minister of Israel, uh, was a special forces commando for Israel. Mm-hmm. His older brother, uh, Yoni, uh, Yonatan, Um, was a special forces commando who was killed in in, uh, rescuing um, uh, Israeli hostages in Entebbe, Uganda, uh, back in the 1970s. And so Netanyahu is willing to use ground forces and use military force if necessary. This is his third term as prime minister of Israel, so he's had to do that. But he also knows the price. Uh, and the pain of having to look, uh, you know, parents in the eye and, and, and say that their son or daughter has been killed in battle. And he's, he's just trying to weigh what's what's the right thing to do. And um, we need to be praying. You know, the Bible tells Christians to be praying for leaders. Why? So that we can live quiet lives. Uh, we need to be praying for the leaders of Israel, but also for the leaders of the Palestinian Authority. You know, Mahmoud Abbas is the president of the Palestinian Uh, authority. And yet he has not denounced uh, these rocket attacks against Israeli civilians. He's not mobilizing uh, Palestinian security forces to arrest or stop or fight even against these terrorists. This is a problem. It's a real problem. Um, We need to pray for the Palestinian leadership to step up. It's their responsibility um, to, you know, to maintain security uh, on the territory they they want to be their own nation.
0: Mm. With rockets uh, being fired that are able to reach Tel Aviv and uh, even uh, Jerusalem, how would you advise people who have trips planned to Israel?
1: Well, you know, my family and I are heading there next month. Uh, this isn't going to deter us at all. Uh, we know people that are, are, have been leaving this week. I've gone during these, these times. Look, one of the challenges of this, market as you know, is Uh, You know, you you live in Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. So the question is, should anyone come to Chicago? (laughs) You know, there's more people in Chicago that are dying uh, than Israelis. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the question is, yes, if you're in certain bad areas, then that's a problem. But moment to moment, you can go to Israel and, you know, you'll hear about this stuff on the news. And if something happens, if a siren goes off, the bus driver will take you to a place that you can be safe. But um, mostly, this is in very isolated areas. Uh, I shouldn't say isolated. You know, for Israelis, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge deal, and for Palestinians. But I, I don't look. You got to pray about it in the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, we're not stopping our plans uh, for heading over there next month. So, okay. uh, and if we were leaving tomorrow, we would still leave. You know, if we, if we've just felt the peace from the Lord to do that. So, uh, in fact, I would say if Christians, you know, should be should be there praying and standing with Jews and Arabs and saying, we love you, we want peace on both sides. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, uh, last question. I, uh, well, formal question. I, I believe you're uh, working on a new uh, book project, and I believe it has something to do with uh, the group ISIS. Do I have that right? That's
1: right. I'm actually editing that novel right now. Lord willing, it will release from Tyndale in uh, March of next year. It is about uh, a New York Times reporter trying to, under, uh, trying to go into uh, parts of the Middle East, I won't say where yet, uh, to uh, try to understand what ISIS is up to, and they are in the process of capturing chemical weapons and trying to uh, attack people in the Middle East with that. Um, you know, a, a few months ago, no one had ever heard of ISIS yeah. outside of you know, military and intelligence yeah. people. Um, I was thinking this novel would sort of give people a little insight to what might be down the road a few Mm. years, Uh, but things are moving faster on the ground uh, than ever. We need to be praying. There are a lot of Christians and a lot of Muslims who are being massacred in Syria, in Iraq, and also Jordan is in danger because the ISIS radicals uh, want to overthrow King Abdullah and uh, uh, the King of Jordan and because he's a friend of the United States. And it has a peace treaty with Israel. So things are very dangerous on many fronts in the Middle East. However, of all that, Israel's still the safest place, and um, we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem now more than ever and looking for ways to help people who are poor, needy, victims of terrorism. Uh, That's what the Church is supposed to be doing, right, is to be a, a light in the darkness, And I think now is a great time for Christians to be proactive and being a blessing to both sides.
0: Well, my wife, Miss Rhonda, you know, she just kind of sits on the edge of her chair every week waiting for another Rosenberg novel to come out. So uh, (laughs) one of the pre-orders is going to happen on this one, probably. Well,
1: yeah, that's a good question. I will, uh, on my blog at joelrosenberg.com and on Twitter, I'll keep people up to speed. Um, On my blog, I'm tracking with these events moment to moment, day by day. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry I'm not writing fast enough. I'm trying. I guess I shouldn't be on the air with you, but I hope she'll give me a little
0: grace. <laughs> yeah, because you're on the air with me, she will, I guarantee okay. you. So, Joel, as always, uh, we appreciate the time you give us, and know you are a busy guy, but uh, thank you uh, for your time today. Huh?
1: Honor to be with you, Mark. Thank you so much. And again, congrats on the new show.
0: Oh, thanks. Joel Rosenberg, again, New York Times best-selling author, and uh, just Google his name. You won't have any trouble finding places to link up with him, and you can do that again uh, via, uh, I suppose, Maybe his uh, website would be the best place to go. There. You can probably find uh, several ways to connect there. So uh, great stuff. And, of course, he's got this new book coming out in just a few months from our good friends at Tyndale. I'm sure they'll let us know when that book is available. Okay, friends, we're going to take a time out. More to come here in just a moment.